We didn't have a TV at home until I was about eight. When we got one, mum had strict rules. No TV before school and only half an hour of TV per day after school. If we were caught watching too much TV, mum would say, go outside, ride a bike, kick a ball, use your imagination. She had grown up on a farm and they had no TV at all when they were children. Her and her brothers and sisters would spend their days outside making their own fun. When they used to go to visit their cousins in the city, it was so boring, she'd tell us. Her cousins would just sit in front of the TV all day. They wouldn't talk to each other or invent their own games or go exploring. To press home her point, mum told us that twins on a farm near them had even invented their own language and taught mum to speak it. That's how imaginative kids were before television. All these stories had the appropriate effect on me. To this day, if I'm watching TV during the day, I feel a little bit guilty. Guilty because I'm passive, I'm inert, I'm lazy. This was a popular critique of mass media, especially television in the 20th century. The idea that mass media created passive audiences was a powerful one. Where once people told their own stories, now they consumed them via a large industrial media system. And this was, as mum used to say, rotting our brains. The production lines of mass media factories reproduced the same cultural products over and over again. In their pessimistic account of this culture industry, the Frankfurt School thinkers Theodore Adorno and Max Horkheimer argued that the culture industry produced a kind of advanced distraction. Forms of mass media like radio, cinema and television relied on the avid participation of ordinary people who tuned in, watched and learnt to dream the dreams of mass culture and the advertisers and brands who supported it. We think we are individuals because television constantly tells us that we are, but really mass media is teaching us to desire the same things over and over again. The same homes, cars, bodies, holidays and feelings of ease and pleasure. Adorno and Horkheimer famously said that in the age of the culture industry, we are free to choose, but really all we have is the choice to choose between that which is already the same. This critique of mass media, like cinema, radio and television, matters because it's an important backdrop against which early digital and interactive media technologies were celebrated. If the television viewer was a passive dupe, then the user of internet technologies like chat rooms, blogs and social networking sites appeared to be active, creative and engaged. Where a medium like television only allowed for ordinary people to consume content, emerging digital media enabled them to create their own. Where once you could only turn on the TV and watch what was on, now you could make your own video and upload it to YouTube, or you could choose to stream whatever you wanted. Did this mean that where the media of the mass society made us inert and passive, the media of the network society would make us engaged and active? And did that mean that where ordinary people were disempowered and controlled by mass media, they would now be empowered by digital media? Well, not quite. As Stuart Hall demonstrated in his encoding-decoding essay, we were always active viewers of television, open to decoding its meanings in many ways, but usually within the confines set by producers. In a digital and interactive media system, we are now more active than ever before. But 
This media and culture industry relies on our participation. We are now a productive part of its commercial and political machinery. To understand the kinds of participation afforded by digital media, we need to go back and track the transition from the managerial capitalism of the mass society to the flexible capitalism of the networked society. That is, digital media emerge as part of a new mode of exercising power and controlling economies, societies, and political systems from the 1970s onwards.